Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Another episode of Believe in Kentucky. We got Aaron Gershon from the Cats Falls, the QB1, Jalen Whitlow in here. And we're walking that tightrope again. We got we got football, we got basketball, we got tournament time. It's March. The season is over. SEC tournament is on right now. The it's you know, it's bottom feeder night because we got South Carolina. And Ole Miss kicking things off. We got Georgia and LSU coming up after that. Look, they are what they are. Somebody got beat the bottom. Somebody got to play <laughs> on Wednesday. And these are the four that are doing it. Uh, we talk about cats and hogs. We talk about spring practice, man. Fellas, how y'all doing this evening? Yeah, man, it's a busy time. Uh, it's been on a little bit of a swivel this week, but uh, it's a good time as well. I mean, tournament time doesn't get much better, especially next week. But this week's fun, too. And then... Yeah, spring football is in full swing. Getting a chance to talk to some of the guys again this week has been a lot of fun. Got a couple more tomorrow morning with the defense before they have their week off for spring break uh, next week. So it, it's been a good week. It's been a busy one, but it's been good. Yeah, uh, good, man. Just, you know, uh, trying to engulf as much, you know, tournament basketball, uh, NBA news, NFL news, with Lamar and all this crazy stuff going on. Uh, spring football, and not just spring football for Kentucky, but you know, I'm a junkie when it comes to this type of stuff. So I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to watch as much as I can and, and learn as much as I can about every program, um, see what's going on. But you know, man, that time of year where uh, you know things starting to pick up a little bit because spring ball starting, and and you got tournament time, so I really can't beat it, man. No complaints. For sure, for sure. I think I heard you right. You said Lamar, so that means. I mean, Aaron Gershon's boy, Daniel Jones, just got mm-hmm. paid, and Lamar yeah. just got franchised. So I'm like, what? what what's... Yeah, that's a Ravens problem, man. That's not the, the, the it, when you look at the Giants numbers, it all makes a lot of sense because, you know, he still has to prove himself a little more. So the money is 18 for next. It's, you know, we're saying only 18, but comparatively uh, to the most quarterbacks, he's only going to make 18 on the cap at least next year. And then after two years, you know, none of his money's guaranteed anymore. So there's a way out. So I love how the Giants did that. And I think, and Jalen, you probably agree with this. There are in the NFL, there just aren't that many good quarterbacks at the moment, or at least guys who are great. There's probably like five great quarterbacks. There's some good ones like Dak, I would put in that category. Kirk Cousins, those type of guys, DJ, those type of quarterbacks. And then there's just no, there's not, you know, it drops off. So if you have a good quarterback on your roster, in my opinion, you got to keep them. So that's why I was happy uh, the Giants did what they did because it's hard to replace when you have a pretty good quarterback. And then as far as the Ravens go, I have no idea what the hell they're doing, you know, messing around with an MVP. But hopefully for his sake, you know, either he'll get the money he deserves or uh, someone else will pay him. And then they end up with the two first round picks, you know, with that non-exclusive tag. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where, like you said, there's relatively speaking, let me make sure I say that because you know, yeah. kind of went crazy when we talked about uh, <laughs> 
the XFL. Relatively, yeah, relatively speaking, there's not that many. I think there's about seven quarterbacks in the league that can win a Super Bowl. That's fair. Personally. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think we can all guess who those seven, eight are. Uh, but Lamar Jackson is one of them. Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, when he's on the field, is the best football player on the planet. Um, yep. I do believe that. You know, I, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, and most people haven't if they're, if they're being honest with themselves. Uh, now, it could be because he's playing quarterback, but I think he's a guy, if you put him, when I think of best football player, I think if you put him at receiver, he'll be a good player. You put him at DB, he'll be, he's that type of generational talent that we won't see another like that for a while. Um, I really do believe that. With that being said, uh, what's going on with the Ravens is just egregious. Yeah. You know, it just is what it is. Let's call, keep a spade a spade. Um, you, you know, obviously, you know, the way this thing is set up, NFL players to these owners are assets, they're stock. Um, and in my opinion, you know, the, them letting Lamar Jackson potentially go is like selling Google stock in 2005. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's like, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, why would you do that? This is the right. best league. He's going to eventually, maybe, get you to a Super Bowl. You know, whether you win one, maybe not. You know, if you do the things you need to do and put guys around him, he can get you to a Super Bowl and potentially win one. He's that type of player. So I don't know what's going on. Something fishy is going on, you know, especially with other teams kind of like turning down. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that was mind-boggling. Yeah, so we know there's something going on. There, I mean, come on, let's be honest. You know what I'm saying? Like that, you don't do that. That's like, it's like doing that to Aaron Rodgers in 2013. Right. You know, nobody would do that. He he was the best. He was the best in the league at that time. Uh, now, you know, I'm not saying Lamar Jackson is the best in the league because I think Patrick Mahomes is, but Lamar Jackson is a generational talent. Yeah. You know, out of 32 teams, I think I think 24 of them would love Lamar Jackson. You right. know. And what about 20 of them will probably trade their quarterback right now for Lamar. Uh, so we'll, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, but, you know, I just think it's kind of odd and it's kind of, it's kind of weird to be honest with you. Uh, uh, MVP who's getting done like that, but I'm, I'm one of them. I'm a Lamar Jackson. I like Lamar Jackson. I like, you know, I'll just like, he's just seemed genuine. He's a great football player. It's fun to watch. Uh, I know he's a Louisville guy, but <laughs> who cares? I think he's a, you know, I just think he's a, he's a, He's one of those guys that I like to see succeed, um, you know, so hopefully they, you know, they can figure something out and wherever he go, he get his money. I think that's the big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it tells you how desperate teams are for quarterbacks when the Browns did what they did, giving the yeah. first ever fully guaranteed contract in the NFL to a guy with, let's just call him a walking red flag is what I would say based on the allegations <laughs> yeah. and all that. And, and that and that's the thing that Lamar Jackson's camp probably like. Come on, Kyler Murray got this type of money. Deshaun yeah. Watson got this type. Of, I mean, they didn't even, at the time they didn't even know Deshaun Watson's going to be eligible for the season for the next season. Ended up, yeah, that's exactly and still, right. And he still got whatever two hundred and fifty, right? He's two thirty, and he's the first ever in NFL history. So not even Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, no one has ever gotten a fully guaranteed contract in NFL history. Until Deshaun Watson, with everything that's going on. Now I do see that they're restructuring some stuff with his contract. Uh, I heard that, but still, you know, come on, man. If you're Lamar Jackson, you've been it's it's disrespectful. So it's 100%. I don't know. I don't know how you mend that relationship, though. 
You know what I'm saying? For, I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't even want to play for Baltimore anymore at this point. You know, I know he probably don't want to leave his teammates. And the teammates always the thing that bring guys back, even though they want, you know, even though the disgruntled front office and all of that stuff, but the teammates gets guys to come back. But at this point, man, you're like, damn, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, as much as I put on the line for this franchise and, yeah. you know, this type of thing is going on, man, it's discouraging, I'm sure. But uh, yeah. like I said, hopefully somebody pay him his money. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, it's crazy. So, you know, AG, you got your boy locked up. So, hey. Yeah. We'll move forward and you, know, yeah. you you cool with them tagging Saquon? Or you cool with that? Uh, yeah, more than cool with it, man. I mean, it stinks. It's the business part of it, but we've just seen too many bad running back contracts. I mean, you know it with Zeke, obviously. Those deals just don't work out long term. It's such a hard position. Your body takes so much, and we've obviously already seen the injuries that Saquon's had, so it just doesn't make sense from an organizational standpoint, you know, to go crazy with the extension. And I think, you know, $10 million per year is that cap number is fair, uh, and maybe they'll work out a long-term deal. Obviously, um, that's still on the table, but I, I think it was a smart move not to let him hit free agency uh, and at least know he's going to be in the building at a price that's not too steep. So it sucks. It's a crappy part of the business, but I think for the Giants' perspective, yeah, they did the right thing there. I agree. And as always, y'all can go to bleed.com and get each and every episode. This one will be on there as the newest and latest one. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, uh, YouTube as well. So uh, bleed.com, go to shop.bleed.com, get your Cat Daddy's t-shirt. We got merch on there. Y'all remember that. Appreciate everybody that takes the time to listen. Check us out each and every week. We always enjoy bringing the episodes to you. Oh, we'll, Tournament time is March. We'll hit that first and then uh, because, you know, the cast just coming off a of big W at Arkansas of all places. AG, you tweet out your office, your location. Always. Uh, I heard your boss, Daryl Bird, at the Cats Paws on with Tom Leach. Maybe Monday, I don't remember what day it was, but he said that TV just could not do Bud Walton justice. So, man, no. how was it in there? Yeah, that was my second trip to Bud Walton. And I think I can now, I've been to most of the venues in the SEC. I, I've been on every campus but two in basketball. I've still got some left, but I've been to more basketball than football at this point. And I think as of right now, uh, Bud Walton has to be the best road atmosphere in the SEC. I mean, that place is, ah. it's a madhouse, man. And it sells out. And, you know, they have their thing where they call themselves the basketball palace of the Midwest. And, or of the middle America. I don't know what it is, but it, it lives up to it. And Fayetteville, uh, they've spent a lot of money, you know, renovating that town and uh, it's up and coming and it, it's a great trip. Both years, it was a great trip. So, and what, what made it even better, man, is that game. You could cut the tension with a knife. I mean, right off the bat, I think within the first two minutes, you have Oscar chucking elbows with uh, one of the Mitchell brothers and, you know, going to review and, Man, it didn't look good. I, I can't believe that Oscar didn't even get a flagrant for that one. But, I mean, he was definitely tangled up, and it looked like, you know, Mitchell was trying to get under his skin because, you know, it worked in the first matchup. Our Oscar's arguably, outside of the Alabama game, his worst game of the year uh, was against Arkansas at Rupp. So, and then Oscar goes off for, like, 10 points in a row. You could tell it pissed him off. So, that was a lot of fun to watch. And then, you know, uh, 
there was just a lot of back and forth in that game. And then it, it kind of got boiled over again early in the second half, you know, with what happened with Antonio Reeves and Dev- uh, Devontae Davis, where, you know, Davis gets his, gets in his face, they jaw at each other. Um, I think they both got fouls for that. Maybe it's just warnings. I don't remember. But then, you know, Devo Davis is talking with an official, screaming, cursing, and he gets tossed and the arena goes insane with that. So it was just, it, it was the tension in that building. The atmosphere was awesome. It ended up being, I think it was like a two and a half hour game, which is ridiculously long. But it was one of those games where like you didn't even care or notice it because there was so much going on and so much fun. And for Kentucky, man, it, it was gutsy as hell to go in there, that atmosphere, a place where last year they, of course, lost. Uh, they usually lose when they go to Arkansas. I mean, I know they won that game with them uh, that Cal got thrown out a couple of years ago. But Arkansas, most teams go to Arkansas and lose. I mean, they've lost, you know, I think four road games, last four home games, rather, the two the last two years combined. So it's a tough place to play. And they went in there without a point guard and and they got it done and they got it done pretty convincingly. I mean, that game never really felt out of out of question there. So uh gutsy win, man. It was a it was a great way to head into the play uh head into the playoffs. Yeah, no no point guard. Nope. They had already come to Lexington and and whooped you. Ran you, punked you, whatever you want to call it, dropped eighty eight in Rupp Arena. So to go there and and get, you know, payback in, in that environment unbelievable you mentioned like Toppin said they got punked Arkansas yeah. was trying to punk them again basically and Kentucky you know stood their ground stood up to the bully and it like it's not gonna happen this time Oscar <laughs> and the Mitchell brothers like you said they they were trying to get under his skin you look at Shaq used to get this and he every some there were times he react, you know, y'all are a little young, but pull up Shaq and Brad Miller and you know yep. there's times where Shaq react. Oscar had never really reacted. This time he reacted and he, you know, you throw the elbow and maybe you take a chance on getting tossed. But you he throws that elbow and catches him, you know, in the in the in the back of his head. He's putting ice here. <laughs> yeah. Otis, Notice though, Oscar reacts, Oscar elbows, Oscar claps and is walking towards him. Mitchell never once walked toward Oscar. Nope. Mitchell didn't want none. Other dudes were chirping and talking. Mitchell stayed over there like, uh oh. Yeah, Oscar sent a message there. I don't want none of this dude. And so all this little chippy stuff, do you encourage throwing elbows at people's heads? No. No. He cut he cut a lot of that mess out when he did that. And, you I know, agree. <laughs> he put Mitchell on his heels. Mitchell didn't want that smoke, and you know the tone was set. Absolutely, that's a great point. I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, and then like I mean, Oscar scored like ten points in two minutes after that. And I think you know between like you said that message and then going on a run like that, I, I think it totally sent a message and put Arkansas on their heels. And again, I mean, Kentucky that game was just. I think Arkansas pulled within two late in the first half, and then Kentucky answered right back. I think it was either Toppin or Reeves who scored. That's probably a good bet based on how that game went. But, uh, I mean, uh, and then in the second half, it never got closer than uh, four points, and that was within the first two minutes. So it it was really – I mean, it was kind of – Arkansas came in and – like you said, they punked Kentucky. The first half, it was a close game. Second half, Arkansas, like, 
had three fast break dunks in the first minute of the half and you knew the ball game was over where this one it, it kind of was the other way man it just felt like Kentucky was in cruise control even when Arkansas uh pulled a little closer Kentucky would punch right back kind of similarly but a little you know the score was a little bit more of a differential than uh when Kentucky played Kansas and they kept coming within one or two and then Kansas would hit a three and it was sucked the air out of Kentucky it kind of felt like that's what UK did to Arkansas and obviously man Antonio Reeves was just ridiculous I mean 37 points that's tied for the third most in a single game of Calipari's tenure and think about mm-hmm. the guys who have played under Calipari I mean only Malik Monk's 46 and De'Aaron Fox's 39 were more and the 37 is tied with Oscar Shibway. so pretty good company and ahead of a lot of damn good ball players so what Reeves did scoring playing point which is not his position and then Toppin scores 21 I mean those two guys man they carried Kentucky and I think that's just I think it's a huge confidence booster because they not only avenged a team that beat them by 15 on their home court, they proved to themselves they can go into any place down two of their bet two of their best players or at least two of their point guards while Stempley being one of their best players and, and still win a game pretty convincingly. You know, it was just it, like I said, it 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 was as good a way to finish the regular season. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the Florida game at the end of the COVID year that got stopped right before the SEC tournament uh, when they didn't have Hagens and they were, you know, they came and won that game. Uh, they were getting killed the whole game though. And that was the only difference. So it, it was, uh, it was gutsy. And to do that 17 shots and only two of them threes. And that's right. Seven and, do, and to be that efficient. And 11 for 11 at the stripe. And what's crazy is he took 17 shots against Vandy, the game they lost, and he made four. And he went five for eight at the stripe he, and one for eight from three. He just did, you know, he had some good looks. You know, it was one of those nights. But he comes back and shoots the same amount of shots, and he ends up with 37. I mean, just uh, great resilience. And he played. And the other thing that I thought was really impressive is if you remember – the loss at Georgia, he played all 40 minutes and he admitted like his legs gave out in the second half because he started the game, man, like five for five from three. And then he finished eight for 20 from the field. He played all 40 minutes and there was no let off. So clearly he's been working on his body just within the last three weeks, getting the stamina to play that. So yeah, just gutsy, man. For sure. For sure. So now they await Georgia LSU slash Vanderbilt. Yeah. Most win. likely going to be Vanderbilt. Probably. If if Chalk holds, it should be a chance to to get another shot at Vanderbilt, who just ruined your senior night and came to Lexington and beat you. And, uh, you know, the bad shooting, the missed free throws, and, and you know, do what you're All supposed right. to. You would have, what, you, you, you're really hot. You come in winning six in a row. Yeah. Right? So, uh, crazy that the, yeah that was just a wild one and you know who knows if Kaysen goes down I don't like to use that in his excuse because they were already losing but Jordan Wright man he's a Kentucky killer he seems to average three points against everyone else and 25 against UK so it was just one of those things exactly yeah I'm just you know just cutting to the chase but I got uh I got Kentucky and Missouri in the SEC championship game um, yeah, I could see Missouri pulling that at Bama upset with how distracted I, Bama's looking. I, I definitely think Missouri can 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 run a table on the north side of that bracket, mm-hmm. uh, finish it off. 
But like I said, I think I think it'll be I think Sunday it'll be Kentucky, Missouri. That's what I got. You know, um, Kentucky got gonna have to. You know, I think they're gonna play Vanderbilt again. Uh, and again, naturally there should be a lot of motivation, energy uh, to 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 do them what they deserve. Uh, but I think I think it'll be Kentucky, Missouri. I think Missouri, Missouri's a problem because, uh, like you said, and we talked about on the the past couple of shows. Uh, they can catch fire on offense, and that's tough, you know, because they they can shoot the ball. I mean, they can they can put the ball in the basket simply. Uh, so Kentucky toughness defense that they showed at Arkansas that just that grit is going to have to come to play. And again, like I always say, if they can hit shots, then I like I like their chance to hoist the trophy on Sunday. Yeah. I really do believe that if they can hit shots. I think they I think they can do it. Um, and I think they can do it in the SEC tournament, uh, not the SEC, but the NCAA, if they can hit shots. They can be consistent on defense, and they can hit shots um, at somewhat, somewhat of a consistent clip. I like their chances, man. I think they're playing tough right now uh, outside of that Vandy loss uh, last week. They're playing tough, man. They're playing good good ball so, uh, at the right time. So, you know, just got to hit shots and, and, and play consistent defense, make teams earn it. Um, and I, and I, like, I like what they can do. Absolutely, absolutely. It's crazy. The season's over, and it's March. It's tournament time, and tournaments going on all across the country. It's you know people punching tickets, and here we are. Here we are. This Sunday will be bracket time, and Aaron will be seeing where he's going and <laughs> stressing. Yeah, all that booking flights. Maybe hopefully. I don't know, man. I. <laughs> Selection Sunday is tough, and all of us will be working on a less, you know, losing hour of sleep because it's the worst day of the year, daylight savings, uh, <laughs> spring forward. So that's right. that's right, and you'll be in Nashville Central Time too. Already losing the hour. Yeah, it's gonna. Well, that's gaining an hour, actually. Yeah, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. So at least there's that. At least there's that. But uh, yeah, I will be in Nashville definitely at least till Sunday. Even if they lose Friday, we'll be there till Sunday. So. Yeah, I was just in Dallas and you know had a quarterback camp out there, and um, that was kind of nice. I got. I didn't get in bed. I flew out Friday. Mm-hmm. I didn't get in bed until two thirty a.m. Central Time. Which was obviously three thirty a.m. Eastern time, and uh, had to be up at six. But I was like, "Damn, I'm glad. I'm glad I get yeah, that glad hour. to get that extra that hour. hour. <laughs> it, it, it it saved me a little bit, man. That extra yeah, hour. Dude, I hear you. I had it for the first time in my life. I had the time change work against me last weekend, though, because I just I had to fly out at six a.m. on Friday morning with that windstorm. I wanted to beat it, and um. I got into Arkansas by 10 and it just felt like the longest day of my life. Knowing mm-hmm. I had been up since, you know, 4, 4 a.m. Eastern and look at the clock, man, it's only nine o'clock and you don't want to go to bed because it's so early, but it's like, yeah, it was just, that was a hell of a day, hell of a trip, but uh, it was a lot of fun at the same time. Absolutely. So you got that little power hour saved you, right? Jay? <laughs> little power hour. Now. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, man. Now, it, now when I got back, obviously, you know, cause I was, I'm a guy who I, I need about six hours, you know, and, and that Friday night slash Friday morning, I got about three mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it, it caught up with me, man. So, and then when you, you fly back to Eastern time, you know, it really gets you, but, yeah. um, but flight got delayed, flight got delayed, you know, got an airport, everybody's flight was delayed on, I think, yeah, Friday of 
uh, last week. So, you know, it was one of those things. So we talked last week, looking ahead to spring practice, and now it's officially underway. Mark Stoops had his introductory presser Monday. It's not the well, Aaron, you were there. I don't know. It's it's not the same as the welcome back in the fall, but it is the first time you've seen him in a in a couple of weeks. It's been a little bit since you had seen him, you know, but. That fall deal, he's like, welcome back. Good to see everybody and all that kind of stuff. It's been a little minute since y'all saw him, and so he kind of gave you the little mini State of the Union, I guess, if you will, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. And um, I think first thing that not I noticed with Stoops this year, and I kind of like that he's doing this, is he's being a little careful, like pushing the gum gun, hyping up his guys. Where last year, you know, he was very, very confident in his team last year, and he you know, part of it, I think, is he wanted to make sure he was selling Will and he knew it was such a big year with for Will and, you know, his draft stock and all that stuff. But, man, he was very high. He didn't he didn't sugarcoat how high it was on the team last year. And maybe just maybe the team read into that too much and they got complacent. Who knows? But he you know, there's someone asked if there was any guys that were flying under the radar. And he's like, I'm not doing that this year. Uh, so I don't know, man. I think he's uh you know, he's taking it day by day, but he did say that one thing that is always good to hear is he felt like it was the most prepared and, and quality day one practice that he's had in his tenure. Uh, that's obviously up to 11 years now, so that's good to hear. You know, obviously he was he's pretty happy that Liam's back and feels like things are, are more control on offense. And, you know, just a couple other tidbits I found interesting. Um, one, he talked about how special teams they're doing more than he's ever done and maybe Jalen you can provide some insight on what the special teamers were doing during you know your year with Stoops there but he said that you know they're doing 10 live kicks a day you know where it's 11 on 11 they're kicking and they're making sure they get it right um so that was good to hear obviously after the debacle that was the special teams last year um and then the other thing slipping my mind is oh yeah on the offensive line you know it was kind of a you could definitely tell he's still, you know, a little stressed about it. And that's probably just some, you know, dealing from, you know, last year. But he did say that, you know, they feel like they have a lot more depth this year um, and that, you know, they have 10 guys who are, you know, could play if they need to. So I think that was big and, you know, something I'm sure we'll get a little more into Liam Cohen, but it kind of goes hand in hand with the offensive line is, you know, at center, it sounds like they're Eli Cox. They might be moving him back to guard. You know, they talked about wanting to experiment there and that Jagger Burton and his athleticism that he might be a guy they look to move to center. So and obviously Eli was a um, midseason All-American, you know, before he broke his hand or something in his hand, you know, uh, in 2021. So I do wonder if maybe, you know, you see Eli at right guard, Kenneth at left and then burton at center so it's going to be interesting to see how the offense line shakes out but those were kind of the the state of the union-ish notes that uh i think were the most interesting um just off the top of the top of the bat there yeah so i kind of I, I noticed the same thing one big thing that stood out to me was the uh i think somebody maybe somebody asked him about strength and conditioning or what how's the all season going and he was he alluded to that they're he went back to some of his old, you know, the style that he usually uh, tends to in the offseason when it comes to stations, the three weeks of stations where the coaches can be in there and they're getting after it. Uh, it's kind of a team building, team bonding, toughness type deal. 
where it's not really lifting weights, but it's more so you're getting in shape, but uh, it's a lot of, um, you know, just trying to beat you up personally, you know, I think what it is. And it's good for a team to do that because you see the guys that's going to fight through it, the tough guys and whatnot. So right. he alluded to that, that he's going back to that. Uh, and he said he kind of got away from that in the past, that it's his fault that it kind of bit him in the butt um, as a team. So I think I thought that was interesting to hear. The next thing was you talked about the special teams. Uh, usually in spring, a lot of people don't put that much time into special teams, that many reps into special teams. It's more of a, okay, let's build our depth. Let's install our schemes on offense and defense. We're going to install our special team stuff. We're not going to spend a whole bunch of time and energy on it uh, because a lot can change between now and then. And special teams, you know, if you just break it down, I mean, obviously special teams is – uh, you know, very few uh, snaps per game. So, you know, they got to kind of prioritize that time. But obviously after last year, you need to prioritize time towards special teams. You need to make sure you are, uh, you know, kind of honing in on what you need to do to be better on special teams. Because at the end of the day, you don't get a lot of snaps on special teams, but a lot of times special teams can win or lose your game. Uh, and snappers have one job, holders have one job, kickers have one job, but those jobs take place in the most pressurized times in the game. Uh, so you got to work it. You got to, you know, I've been in programs where we, uh, the speakers were like, you know, three yards behind the kicker uh, and we're, they blaming the speakers at them. The whole team is around the kicker trying to get them to miss the field goal and put them in those situations because you need to do that. You got to see what these guys are made of because at the end of the day, if it's, um, you know, 28 to 30 or, or 28, 31, and we got to kick the field goal to go in overtime or it's 27 to 30 or to 27 to 29, and we need to make field goal to win the game, we got to have a guy who had the balls to do it, you know, at the end of the day. Uh, so we got to have a guy who got the balls to continue to snap the ball normally in those situations, a guy who, who can hold it, right? So guys that can protect, you got to have a punter who can catch the snap. So, you know, those things, you know, are easy to overlook, but they matter. Uh, and they, and obviously we see, you know, the Missouri game and, you know, every other game that we watched, these things come up big in games that you have to win. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think uh, you can tell that he's, he's putting a lot of time and energy into that. He's putting a lot of effort into it. I've heard nothing but good things about Bowler, uh, running back, yeah. special teams coach. Uh, everybody seems to like him. Uh, heard that he's super detailed. Uh, he's full of energy. Uh, the running back seem to, you know, perk up when you say his name. Obviously, he's probably gotten on the ass a little bit too, which is good. Uh, so it's one of those things, man. That uh, you know, it it bit him in the butt last year. So he's come, you know, Stoops is making a point this year. Like we come hell or high water, we would not lose a game from special teams miscues. So that's good. Uh, so another thing was. The players' interviews, and we could talk about Liam Cohen interview in a minute, but the players' mm -hmm. interviews, one thing that stood out to me was, um, you know, just the guys raving about Liam Cohen, man. And I know yeah. it's, you know, uh, and again, we, we, we've been a broken record on here talking about, uh, you know, how big of an impact that he had and that he will have moving forward. Uh, now, obviously, you still got to go out there and compete and execute and win games, but uh, I think – all in all, players seem to like the guy. Uh, Stoops raved about how he's always in the the, uh, the staff meeting room watching film. Play, it's like a revolving door for players to come in and talk and watch film. And uh, ideas are always being shared. 
Uh, he's never in his office. That lets me know that, okay, maybe it was something different last year. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So that that's interesting. And I could tell that he's at peace with that because that matters, man. You want, you want the players and coaches to be able to come in. You want guys uh, giving ideas. You want coaches giving ideas. You want to kind of, kind of an open space where guys can come in and, uh, and it's, it's not, it don't feel like work when you got coaches around talking and watching film, talking about ideas, right? It, it doesn't feel like work. And maybe uh, from a certain standpoint that the guy from last year maybe had a different approach to it and the other approach wins as well. But uh, you got guys who do it. You know, I'm sure Nick Saban is more of a, a stickler when it comes to certain things. He's more <laughs> old school when it comes to certain things. And the dude got seven national championships. So, that I mean, is. but at the end of the day, maybe the way Coach Stoops has built this program, and as a matter of fact, I know the way he's built this program, he wants guys a certain way because he's a certain way. So he needs the opposite to kind of fill those voids. He needs guys to be loose, uh, you know, players to feel free to come in and talk to coaches, coaches to feel free to, you know, again, give ideas, expand on what we're doing. How can we make it better for the kids or for the players, right? That thing matters. So another thing, uh, Dan Key talked about how uh, he's enjoying catching the ball from uh, Leary. Leary. He's, yep. he has, you know, he has a lot a lot more touch uh, that he's throwing the ball with. That stood out to me. Uh, and I watched – I went on a, a Devin Leary rabbit hole today, man. And, then, and to be <laughs> honest with you, this, this is the first time I had time to do that uh, because, you know – I watched this stuff, but this is the first time I really went deep on it, and uh, I'm excited to see what this offense can look like because he does have touch. He can move. The, he can move the ball downfield with his arm. He's good enough with his legs to keep defenses honest. Um, so I'm anxious to see how that goes. But you know, I took away a whole bunch of things from those interviews, and I spent time watching them and rewatching them. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get into more, but that's just yeah. something you know, brief off the head. I was, and one thing stood out to me too about the. Stoops is many state of the union. Y'all hit on a lot of it, but just like you said, still bit him in the butt and maybe got a little lax on some things and let a few things slip through the cracks. But he kind of said that, you know, we got to get back to things to give us our identity back. Like some of those things weren't being done last year. And he said that he kind of blamed himself. There's some things that we went back to doing that I should have did last winter. And so it's just little, you know, Skang was there, whatever. The whole stuff wasn't a fit. And we know that. And we right. all saw that. But, like, he's talking about little things, little procedural things, little detailed things, little the way we operate and normally handle our business we saw that old line last year the y'all have already hit on most of this stuff but it's like he yeah we're gonna go back to this and and get it back the way it was you know uh prior to so yeah it's just just telling little stuff the way and you know he said what he needed to say without completely saying it but you kind of knew what he was saying yeah no doubt yeah. Yep. So I, I think, um, you know, again, and, and this is just this is just kind of how I saw it. I think that last year they had such le senior leadership with Will and linebackers and those guys 
that naturally you kind of let some things slip as far as, you know, having to be on top of everybody on every single thing. You felt like you had a senior team. So at the end of the day, these guys are still college students and these guys are still players. You know, even in the league, you got to still stay on top of guys about certain. It is what it is. So um, I think that's part of it, you know, uh, you know, and it, my biggest thing was, and I think the biggest takeaway from Stoops was talking about the strength and conditioning part. Yeah. Um, of what they're doing, you know, in the strength and condition. I think that's, he kept saying size. He kept saying how guys are getting bigger, guys are getting stronger. I saw the, the interview, and I can already tell that Barry Young Brown has gained some muscle. Um, you know, so he's he's getting a little weight, got stronger. So that's good. Liam Cohen came out and said, we don't want to get one, we don't want to be a buck 65, buck 70, buck 75 getting thrown around in this conference. Yeah. He said that. And he yeah, said, that was big. Yeah. And he said it like he must have seen something recently in practice that made him say that because he was saying we still need to get stronger. We still need to, which is, which is honest. And again, they got some big DBs in that back end. Now they got some guys that six one with some size on them. Yeah, uh, that'll, that'll challenge them. Yeah. And that's good. So that's all going to, that's going to make them better. And again, they, I can tell that they like Liam because he's a players coach type guy. He's, I can tell he's on him. I can tell he's a hard nosed guy. Even though his interviews don't seem that way, but I I guarantee you in the behind closed doors and on the field, he's really he's he's in their shirt about every little thing, and that's the way I think it's supposed to be. Uh, and and they're gonna get the most out of those guys, and I can just see it right now how those guys are thinking. <laughs> and it's funny they thinking looser. They're they're you know I just see it. You know you can see it from the from the interview. So it's exciting. I'm excited to see. Uh, again, I wish I could see a spring game, but. I'm excited to see the product on the field come uh come fall. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point right there with Liam and um the strength thing. I mean, I just feel like Rich Gangarillo didn't understand necessarily what the SEC was all about. I mean, look, when he worked in college, he was working at FCS programs and no disrespect to them. It's just not the it's not the SEC, man. As I say here, you know, often SEC is basically like the triple A, you know, that version of the NFL. And Skangarillo would always talk. I mean, you couldn't go a press conference with Skang without him mentioning the NFL and the challenges of the NFL. And Liam Cohen talks about the challenges, you know, of being too light and how against SEC corners using that term. You know, it's going to be too difficult, you know, to not be, you know, if you're going to stay at that same weight, it's going to be too difficult to compete with those guys. So I just think he understands, you know, obviously the age factor is closer to, to being removed from his playing days and understanding more. But also, you know, he's been around in the SEC and had success in the SEC and his some of these players were part of it or at least they they were able to watch and make their part of their reasons. Like, I mean, Dane Key, Barry on Brown and Tavion Robinson are all at Kentucky because they wanted to play for Liam Cohen. I mean, that is all. I mean, Dane Key, South Carolina had the edge on him the whole way until, you know, he decided to stay home because he saw how well the offense was performing under Liam Cohen. So, you know, this is the guy that a lot of guys signed up to play for and they're really excited. He's back. And, Look, uh, just 10 minutes with Liam on, on Tuesday and you learned so much about ball. I mean, just the way he was breaking down how, Devin, how he's going to have to adjust to play under center. You know, some things like I didn't even think about how, you know, turning your back to the defense is not something you really do in a shotgun. Just as some, you know, 
I, I, I don't think about that because I don't have a, you know, I don't have a fully football brain like Jalen does or like, like Liam does, man. I mean, just some really great insight and, you know, the stuff about that receiver in the corners and, you know, talking about the stuff with Tavion Robinson, I thought was really interesting. We can get into that in a second. So j- just super insightful. I, I definitely think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic that this offense will get a turnaround. Yeah. I think, uh, Liam's a, a journalist dream. He he gives oh yeah. He gives you content, man. He gives Hell you good, yeah. He gives you a lot of stuff without giving you too much. Correct. Uh, but going back to, I think, and this is what I learned from a lot of those pro guys. They come down to college, and they almost think that they almost think that it's too far of a step down. Going to the SEC, man, is not far from playing the worst team. Playing Bama is not far from playing the worst team. No, it's tri- it, it is it's it, not, it is triple I mean, A, man. It yeah, is triple and people, A. And people like to make a huge, you know, a big deal. And trust me, Georgia will get killed by the worst team in the NFL. I'm not saying that, but it's not as big as a drop off as you think. I'm telling you, it's, it's not. You know, I've been around. I had the opportunity to work out with. Uh, I worked out with quite a few NFL guys in, in, in my time, uh, from in college and even now. And man, like. Some of the stuff that I see from these guys, and these guys are players in the league, and they play. And I, from some of the stuff that I seen from, from freshmen and sophomores when I was at Kentucky, and no disrespect, and I don't mean any disrespect to anybody, but everybody know that Kentucky's recruiting better now. Um, yeah. But so, what I'm saying is, it's not a big drop off. You know, it's it's not. It's a drop off, but it's not as big as people think. So when you're at the 49ers and you see, you know you're playing in the league and you're coaching the league and you think of college ball, a lot of those things guys think of college ball as like a lower level and it is, but at the same time, it's not as low as you think when you get there Uh, because, you know, this thing is moving pretty fast. You know, the interviews from last year, it was like, Rich was almost like, man, I didn't know that the league SEC was. He literally, uh, yeah. How how do you not know? I mean, are you not, are you living on a rock? Like, I mean, how do you not know? (laughs) Uh, so Liam yeah. Cohen has more of a, 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 a he has a broader perspective when it comes to you know coaching and dealing with this generation of kid and the style of play in college football and just what he needs to do to be successful. Now, again, I'm not saying that he's going to go out and put up 50 points a game this year. I'm just saying that you can tell that he understands this. So. Um, you know, hopefully it, it, it kind of manifests itself on the gridiron in August and September and October or whatnot, but in, De- in November, December. But I think that uh, he has a good grasp of what today's, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year old student athlete needs and what they want and what this game entails, because it's a different game than the pros. I mean, it is, you know, even though I don't think it's that big of a drop off as most most people think, but it is a different style of play. Uh, it's more cookie cutter in the league. Most teams are running similar offenses in college. You may see a team that run a wing T. Uh, so it's, it's less guys are more open to different things. They're more open to, uh, you know, kind of different you know schemes and different ways of teaching because you're dealing with as sometimes an 18 or 17 year old student athlete. So I do think there's a niche to that. Uh, and he seems to have that. Uh, so hopefully, you know, things keep going well and, you know, they hopefully they do put up 50 points. Cause again, I'm still studying their office from 2021 
I was just watching the I was just watching the game another day, uh, the Missouri game from another day. I was just watching the uh was it New Mexico State. Just watching that game for another day because I'm going back and looking at certain schemes that he ran and comparing yeah. them to what he did in the league and comparing them to what he may do now. Uh, and I think with a quarterback like uh, Leary, I don't, I don't expect to see much of a drop off, at, if any. Yep, I would agree. Yeah, so good stuff. Glad it's off to a good start. I mean, to say he was encouraged after just the first practice that morning, just you know. Still a long way to go, but that's hey. The, I'm telling the offense, worse. the offense was very much behind the defense last year, and I think, <laughs> and part of that I'll cut Rich some slack because he did get in so late. I mean, Liam obviously didn't, you know, the Rams didn't hire him until after the Super Bowl, um, and then Rich didn't get here until the last week of February. So there, you know, there's a lot going on, and I'm not going to kill Rich for them having, you know, a bad offensive spring, but it was. It was a mess offensively. Uh, the defense won every single practice. There, I, I remember someone told me they had to scale some things back on defense just to make sure the offense had some positives. You know, they could come back and take wow. away. And we kind of saw how it worked out, man. I mean, they ranked twelfth in the in the country in total defense and one sixteenth in all in offense. So uh, it was one of those years, but. You know, I, I feel much better about the potential, you know, not just with Liam Cohen back, but some of the personnel. Uh, I think the offensive line will will be better. I mean, hopefully a lot better, uh, but definitely not nearly what it was last year. So there's a lot to like, but, you know, we'll obviously see how the rest of the spring goes. And, you know, I think the most important thing outside of obviously just, you know, getting, getting acclimated to Cohen's system again, you know, getting all the guys comfortable is, Help staying healthy because it feels like every spring there's a bad injury. Last year, you know, it was Vito Tisdale. You know, there's been other ones in the past, but you know, just keep guys healthy. Yeah, I mean, and even going into summer camp, yeah, you Landon Young. Uh, I forget that if that was spring or summer, but you know, Devonte Robinson that one year, yeah. um, Keaton Upshaw. I mean, they've they've had a lot of nasty preseason injuries, whether it's been happening in the spring. Uh, or in you know July August, so hopefully uh, you know we don't hear anything about that you know this spring. Yeah, just try to ease your way through those minefields and get everybody to the season healthy. Like you said, it's always you're right, Aaron. There's always spring or fall. There's always been somebody that's every that's I jumped up and and oh man, oh. I honest to God, man, can't think of a year it hasn't happened. I mean, it is all you know. There's one. It's every year. It's only usually one. It's which I mean, thank God. But I mean, obviously, last year again, it was Vito Tisdale. The year before that was Keaton Upshaw. Um, the COVID year is such a blur. I don't remember off the top of my head. There, they barely had spring ball. But uh, you know, the year before that with Robinson, it's just been it's been crazy what's happened uh, as far as injuries and and early in the season. So, you know, very important. That doesn't happen this year, especially on the offensive side. And I remember last year after, you know, you had Vito and I was, you know, you finally get to the season. like, ah. And then first play, Ramon Jefferson. I'm like, oh, I mean, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. and then obviously, you know. Made it through camp technically, but, you know, two seconds in the game. And then, oh, I was like, man. And that's another, you know, last year, obviously the injuries were a big story, but, 
you know, something Jalen was talking about the leadership of last year's team, or maybe it was you, Vinny. I'm sorry uh, if I mixed that up, but you know, talking about the leadership of last year and some of the guys who had been there for so long, and maybe you know, maybe there's some complacency, whatever. But some of those guys, like DeAndre and Jaqu- uh, especially DeAndre Square, is more of a lead by example guy, and he'll you know he'll give you a pep talk, but he's not going to be a rah rah you know screamer. He didn't get to lead by example because he missed a lot of time. You know, Jacquez Jones, I think, is more of a lead by example than a rah-rah guy. He he missed a lot of time. So, you know, they didn't get a lot of that. And then Will is a rah-rah guy, but also obviously leads by example and is a big, you know, big, you know, critic and talking guys up and coaching guys up. And, he you know, he wasn't himself. So there are a lot of issues, uh, not not a knock on any of the leaders from last year's team. But and even Jordan Wright was a captain suspended for a game. So again not a knock on the leaders but just there were examples where they didn't get to lead as well as they should have for bad you know unfortunate circumstances so maybe it'll be interesting to see who's voted the captains of this year's team I mean I assume JJ Weaver will be back in that role and then you know Devin Leary will eventually get one of those spots but you know it's going to be really interesting to see how the leadership uh takes it and making sure there's no complacency or, you know, you know, we're picked to finish second in the East, you know, let's just do it again. You know, we're going to be fine. That's what we're going to be like. Hopefully they'll just take it to a new level, get that chip back on their shoulder that, that served them really well in the past. Yeah, for sure. What was y'all wanting to get in about Tavion Robinson too? Oh yeah. Real quick. I mean, clearly at the end of last year something happened you know he didn't walk on senior day and there was you know those tweets that he was liking talking bad about Rick Scangarillo and all that crap and uh you know Liam talked a lot about yesterday that the issues with Tavion Robinson last year were nothing to do with football you know it was all off the field it was focusing it was you know running as hard on plays that you're not getting the ball than you would you are getting the ball so clearly there were some maturity issues maybe kind of similar to what we saw with Cavassier smoke you know in 2021 and then you know he came into 22 it seemed a bit more mature so maybe a little bit of something like that going on but Clearly, and then Stoop said that they need a big year from Tavion, and they were making no bones about it. So uh, it seems like you know they're they're pushing him really hard. Obviously, they were able to get him to come back, even with all the things that happened last year. So I think that speaks volumes of what he thought of Liam Cohen when he made the decision to transfer to Kentucky. So yeah, um, yeah it was it was pretty interesting to hear all that and kind of get it confirmed that. There was some stuff going on, you know, with Tavion Robinson at the end of last year that the coaching staff wasn't happy about. So, you know, hopefully they'll get that sorted out. And Liam said, you know, he's a guy that, you know, when he touches the ball, he's going to make things happen. So they they got to get him in the right headspace so they can get him the ball. And, you know, if you think about it at receiver, obviously you feel great about Dane and Barry on, especially if they are able to put on some muscle and get stronger at the point of attack. But behind them, you know, it's Tavion Robinson and then, a lot of guys who you like their skill sets, like the Kel Crowdis and Jordan Anthony, but they haven't proven much. So, you know, it's not, I wouldn't call it a thin position. It's just an unproven position after, you know, the top guys on that depth chart. So I think it's a really, really fair that they need Tavion Robinson to have a good spring. And if, you know, if they don't get a, a positive spring from him, maybe that's a position you look at the portal at, you know, after, you know, we get all these names in the portal after spring practices. So it's good. That's a really interesting one, man. Yeah, I don't know, man. When I when I hear a coordinator say we got to get this guy to run all his routes hard and fast, yeah, that's not good. Yeah, that 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 tells me that that guy probably won't be playing as much as he wants, you know. And that's just to 
that's just what I got from it. Just being honest, you know, from a from yeah. a coordinator standpoint, if I got to ask a guy to run full speed in college, you won't you won't be playing for me. So uh, I think what Stoops was saying is the way the way they say it, it was like, yeah, he got to pretty much he got to give us more than what he's given. Uh, and when your coaches say that publicly, that's not good. Uh, so I don't I don't I don't foresee him being a guy who they trust personally from what I've heard from those interviews. Now, maybe he can change between now and August uh, or now in September. Hopefully he does, because obviously he got talent. But from a quarterback's perspective, man, I don't want to have to question if you're going to run the right route or run fast, uh, wow. because that's not good. You know, so, you know, I think they got enough at receiver to really build something. Uh, and like you said, if that thing don't work out, they'll probably definitely look in the portal. There'll be some guys after spring uh, at some of these schools like, you know, USC, Georgia, Bama, that's looking to get in that portal uh, after spring. And, and some if something happened, maybe they can grab one of those guys. So we'll see. Hopefully it works out for him. Uh, you know, he's still a young man. So we want to make sure that, you know, he, he's in the right headspace to do the best he can and give himself, a, you know, a chance to be successful. But, you know, it's not a good sign when your coaches are saying that publicly. Yeah, absolutely. No. Absolutely. And speaking of the portal, looking to the the women's side, Jada yeah. Walker for the Kentucky women's basketball team just entered the portal. It's a mess right there. I'm hoping you wouldn't start to see you saw Emma King was back. I'm like, yes. And then Kennedy Cambridge Jada, too. Jada Walker, who led the SEC in steals, averaging twelve, thirteen a game. Kind of stuffed the stat sheet, and you know, even though they were not a good team, she contributed yeah. pretty consistently all year long. And I'm, I'm, I remember sitting there watching them in the SEC tournament. Just they just played Tennessee. They're scrappy there. They were fighting <laughs> and plugging along, and uh, you know, they beat Florida and Alabama as bad as the year they had. They still won two games in the tournament, and I'm like, well, at least they get, you know. It's kind of a nice little building block. Get Jada Walker back, led the conference. I'm like, oh, no. he's in the portal. So, oh, that's yeah. Oh. Not it's Jada and Kennedy C- Cambridge, who was a five-star freshman. Who you know things kind of got weird at the end. Yeah, that's look. There's got to be something going on over there because it's the second straight year that they have lost so much out of the portal. And you know, obviously, Dre Edwards was you know behind Ryan Howard, the second best player on that. SEC tournament team and that ended really poorly uh and she transferred um a couple others from that team the 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 names are slipping me but they lost like five or six gals uh to the portal so uh, there's something going on over there um honestly you know I didn't get a chance to to do much coverage for them just with everything going on and them not having the year you know that they wanted but you know hopefully Hopefully Kyra has some answers and can get back on track, but it's something something's fishy over there. And uh, hopefully, you know, if for whatever reason uh, there is something that needs to be done and from the administration, uh, it can get done. Because, uh, you know, obviously outside of that run that they made, which was remarkable in the SEC tournament last year, uh, it just hasn't gone great for Kyra so far. And Hopefully she can turn it around. She's a great person. She seems to work really hard. She's great with the media. So, um, you know, hopefully it works out. But it's been a tough go for her, I think, her, her first three years now on the job. And you just find yourself hoping for 
continuity is is feeling like you know the baseball team. Min Jones always having to start oh over God. and transfer it off to a good start this year, but we'll see how in conference yeah, play. It's too early to tell. You hope that okay, maybe you can get a nucleus. And the same thing with women's basketball and baseball, you get a lot of attrition, and then you kind of have to go back to square one. You, you're never able to to make any progress when you keep having to just no. start from ground zero every time. Yeah, and I mean, like Maddie Shear is a great talent, but it takes more than one player. We saw it with Ryan, man. I mean, they had they had some better you know talent around Ryan than they did. Obviously, Maddie's not the player Ryan is, but she was definitely their best player this year. And they, you know, outside of Jada Walker, there wasn't that much there. And now Jada Walker's gone, and we'll see if Maddie Shear stays. But it's a mess right now. They, it's tough to. It's tough to, you know, Cal was able to do what he did with new rosters every year because he was getting the top five players in the country, you know, yeah. uh, and that's just not. And now with this portal era and you see it now, man, there's it's balanced. There's every team is a lot better because they can get someone from the portal. And then obviously you still have the high school, too. So it, 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 with NIL and with the portal, things are more balanced. The SEC is getting tougher and Kentucky's falling behind the eight ball on the women's side. Yeah. Yeah, it just, just like you said, makes it makes it tough. Makes it tough. It does. I mean, who knows? Maybe Matthew Mitchell's not done coaching after all. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he's working. Ooh, that'd be something. That would be something. Yeah, he did a great job. Yeah. Oh, and real quick too, a friend of this podcast, he came on and oh uh, yeah, it was great. Anna Tarulo was at BBN tonight, which Keith Farmer came on here as well, but. Um, this was seemed like the perfect gig. You know, Anna had come from West Virginia. She came on our Cast Talk Wednesday podcast when she was covering Marshall and West Virginia before she even came back to Kentucky. Comes back here for two years at BBN Tonight. Uh, says she kind of has, is having to leave her position at BBN Tonight uh, for budget purposes. Uh, they're the best in the biz, never stop singing your praises. But she was that was just such a great gig for her. It was one of those that looked yeah. like she could be there for as long as she wanted to be. This was the, a career type kind of gig. So I hate to see that she's gonna have to find a next chapter and, and move on. And, and she says right there in the tweet, you know, through many tears, she had to announce that this was the last day on BBN tonight. So I hated to see that. I wish her the best. She's going to crush it wherever she goes, but hate that. Yeah. She's still not that BBN tonight. So definitely wanted to mention that. She was kind enough to come mm-hmm. on here and chop it up. Keith's been on here before. I know you see him on a regular basis there, Aaron. And just hate yeah. that. And uh, wish her. No, anytime someone loses their job in this industry and how hard it is and competitive and, you know, the money issues and all that stuff, man, it, it, it hurts to hear. I hate to hear that. And I got to know Anna a little bit this year. And, um, you know, I, I have nothing bad to say, man. She has the most energy of any person uh, that, that was covering the team. That's for sure. She always was super friendly. Um, so, you know, wishing the best for her. She'll land on her feet. I, I'm sure of that. Yeah. And if you look at the the tweets and the replies and the stuff she's retweeted. Yeah, it's gone crazy. Not a bad word to say about her. And no, has just been blowing up with well wishes and and people, you know, hoping, uh, sending good thoughts and hoping for the best for. Her. So we want to do it from here as well. So. Yeah, uh, absolutely. 
Yeah, yeah. She had those Tarullo's tailgates at the football games, <laughs> talking to people and going up and like you said, that yeah, she she ain't shy. That's for damn sure. <laughs> that, 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 that's something I noticed right away. So, no, I always appreciated you know how friendly she was, and uh, it stinks she won't be around. But uh, it's a tough business, man. You know, you feel bad anytime you see that, and it's you know it scares you anytime you see it. You just never know. So, um, you know, hopefully she lands on her feet pretty quick. Absolutely. Y'all got any more little final thoughts before we close this one out? Oh, man, it's uh, this is it with basketball. It's going to be a lot of fun. And football-wise, it's just getting started. I love spring practice. I, like Jalen said, man, I really wish there was a spring game. I hate that there's no spring game. It's one of my favorite, you know, events of the non, you know, of the quiet season, I, I like to call it. You know, April through through July, I call the quiet season. It's probably my favorite thing of those three months. So I hate that we won't have it, but uh, it should be a lot of fun to start interacting with this team, getting around them and, you know, getting the vibe uh, of this team. So uh, we'll see how that goes. And this basketball stuff, I'm excited to be on the road. Uh, it's going to be exhausting on Sunday, but <laughs> it'll be fun. Absolutely. Well, with that, we'll put a bow on another episode of Believe in Kentucky. Appreciate everybody that takes the time to listen Y'all check this one out once it drops. We'll still be getting some guests on. We'll still be chopping it up and telling y'all, conversating about everything that's going on football-wise, basketball-wise, UK athletics-wise, doing our best to work it into each and every episode. So until next time, and look, we got back on our, our regular Wednesday thing, so that was cool. Uh, looking forward to next week as well. So appreciate everybody that listens. Y'all be sure to go and check this episode out. And we'll keep cranking them out and bringing them to you. So for Jalen Whitlow, Aaron Gershon, this is Vinny Hardy. We'll see everybody next week on Believe in Kentucky. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.